I can't tell you how many times I've heard this argument, um, especially in the face of reason. Um, and what argument do I speak of? Of course, the argument of, but God showed me this. Um, and again, this argument I've heard not only in the face of reason, um, but even in the face of scripture itself. But what is the reality of this thought process? Um, is it enough to believe that God has given you some new uh, or inspired revelation? Um, when a person uses this argument, should we take it at face value? Uh, these are just things we want to consider today um, while we muse. Generally speaking, this thought process I see to be a plague uh, on Christianity and probably has been for many, many years. Um, it's not only used in defense of or against uh, a reasoned argument. It's also used for what might be considered excitable or prophetic type of revelations. Um, however used, though, the thought process is the same. Since God showed me this, you has to you have to leave it alone, um, or you have to believe it, or you have to do it, or whatever. It's, it's usually something along those lines. God showed me this. Now you're beholden to it. So the first thing I want to look at as far as this thought process goes is what are the dangers of this thought process? Because that's the thing. I mean, if there's no harm in it, then, I mean, you still wouldn't say who cares, but if there's no harm in it, then why make a deal out of it at all? So let's look at some of the dangers as far as this thought process goes that in spite of what scripture or reason you may come with, God showed me this, so this is what I'm going with. So, and what I mean by uh, dangers is how may this thought process be harmful um, either to the one who's practicing whatever the, whatever they believe God showed them or even to one um, who may be following them because I mean honestly when people feel like God showed them something it's not like they're going to keep it to themselves they want to convince you as well that God since God showed them this this is the way that it must be um, so yeah that's what I mean by the dangers of it how is it harmful um, either to them or to someone who may indeed follow them uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me uh, is something that I would consider to be one of the biggest potential dan uh, dangers, um, and that is that speaking this way, speaking uh, with that thought process, not only creates schisms within the church, which in the body of, within the body of Christ, but when you look at the history of the church, it's been responsible for creating maybe all probably at least most um, of the denominations um, when in the face of scripture 
you know, you had two people or two groups that could not agree, um, they would often turn it into, well, God is telling me this, and since you uh, can't receive it, uh, you know, then we need to go our separate ways. And so often, historically speaking, this has been a cause of many denominations starting. And the the sad thing about it is, of course, Satan's just laughing himself silly as far as that would go. I'm creating these divisions based on, uh, well, I see it to be this way. You see it to be that way. We can't agree. Um, I'm reading this scripture. You're reading this same scripture. To you, it means this. To me, it means that. All right, you know what? Forget it. You're not listening to God, so we need to separate. Um yeah, that's created so much division within the body of Christ, which is, of course, what Satan will want to do if he's trying to weaken the church. Well, that would be the best way to do it. Separate us um, and especially separate us based on things that might indeed be small. And if he can do that and a, a, a strength with being able to do that would be if we're both saying, but God showed me this because now I can't just reason with you because in my mind I'm thinking man you won't listen to God so a huge I mean that's to me is the first potential uh danger it's just how it creates schisms it creates denominations um and it's kind of crazy but denominations are so ingrained in the church that they seem normal I mean it seems like Christians look at denominations and aren't even moved by it you know like it doesn't even matter that there are a hundred different types of Christian belief systems now I understand why they exist Uh, You know, you're trying to find someone that pretty much understands scripture exactly the same as you and will live it that way. And I've gone to churches that consider themselves non-denominational. The ones I've been to were a mess because, I mean, in certain classes I would go to just to, you know, be a part of the, the Sunday schools or whatever. When there is a disagreement, I mean, it's just weird. It's honestly a weird thing. I mean, everybody's smiling, but clearly, you know, you got five different thought processes in the room. And uh, it's clear they don't agree, but they're just, I guess you could say, agreeing to disagree. And it's just so uncomfortable because you're talking doctrine. I mean, I remember one church I went to and there was a disagreement on healing, whereas a couple of the people felt there is no healing today. And another group felt like, are you crazy? People are getting healed all over the place. And it was so passive aggressive the way they were arguing. And the, the teacher of the class He's just trying to, trying to smile his way through it. You know, we're all God's children. And it's like, okay, this is absolutely a mess. This is not doing, I get the point, but this is not accomplishing us speaking the same thing. And actually, that's a scripture I want to share because denominations, again, they, they're so commonplace within the church that we don't even question it. Uh, we, we happily accept that we're a part of this denomination or that one, neglecting scripture. I mean, you just think of what Paul even said. Uh, when he says, some say I'm of Paul, some of Apollos, but we're all of Christ. What are you doing? And yet we have denominations that actually name themselves after a person, even though this is something that Paul directly spoke against. Don't call yourself a Paulite or, or you know, an Apollosine or whatever you want to say. Don't do it. We're all of Christ. And yet you have denominations named after people. To me, that's insane. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um And verse 10, and this scripture has really always stuck out with me. Even when I was a part of a denomination, I was raised Baptist. Um, And even when I was a part of that, that, okay, Baptist must be right. um, This scripture always stuck out to me. It always kind of poked at me uh, because, well, just let's read it. First Corinthians 1 10. 
uh, says, now I plead with you. I love it when the Bible speaks of pleading or beseeching because it speaks of how strong the writer felt about what he was about to say. Um, and again, to me, it's always that much heavier because it's almost like if you respect Paul, if you honor Christ, when they say something and they beseech, beg, plead, it's almost like take a minute to consider how serious it was to them to use a term so hard as to plead or to beg or whatever. So he says, now I plead with you, brethren, uh, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, and you can't, uh, you know, invoke any higher name than that as far as who do we listen to? The Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, by Christ, I'm begging you that you all speak the same thing. Now, yes, obviously the letter was written to the Corinthians, the church at Corinth. Yet at the same time, I would say this plea could be for the whole body of Christ. Speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. How Christians, churches, groups can read this and just move past it like a bombshell wasn't just, you know, dropped is amazing to me. Uh, I mean, this is a huge statement. Speak the same thing. Not most, not close, but the same thing. No divisions, perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, honestly, I can say so much more about that thought process alone, but I'm going to try to stick with the the uh, the, the point we're going with here. You know, God showed me this. Um, that's the reality. Even though we're used to denominations and don't see it as, you know, sad for the church to be broken up based on um, I say left, you say right, you say middle, you know, so let's go our separate ways. Um, and again, not even always things that are good reason to separate. There are reasons where you may be a part of a group and it's like, whoa, this is not being done the right way. Um, but so often what you find is that it's not even always that. Um, a lot of times it's much smaller. But that's, a, I mean, again, sticking with the thought of, OK, but God told me so. Um, doctrinal separation was never the goal. Never, ever was that the goal. Um, we were supposed to be one mind. It was supposed to be. As a matter of fact, another scripture comes to mind. When Jesus was praying, and I love this, if you go to John chapter 17 and we see Jesus praying, let me read some of his prayer. Because this, again, Paul agreeing with Jesus, as he often did. Uh, so John 17, 21 starts it, and, and Christ prays to God the Father. And look at what he says. And such a strong desire. This whole prayer is amazing, honestly, when you read John 17, to see what Jesus' heart actually was, what he wanted for us. It's actually amazing. Uh, but let's read this. So he's, he's praying here to God, and he says, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So our unity, now look at this. This is why I say Satan laughs at this, figuratively speaking. I don't know if he laughs at anything. He might be a miserable creature, who knows. But um, he, I figuratively say he laughs at this because Christ says that if they're one, just like us, then the world might be made to believe. And it's so true. When Christians are united, when Christians can stand together, it would have to make people look and say, how do they do that? Um, when you can go beyond race or culture or anything and stand as one in Christ, it will make the world say, how? But since we're so broken up, 
by whatever, um, the world looks and says, how are you guys different from it? How are we being a light when we're not doing this? So we look at Christ's uh, prayer here, and he says his desires that we all be one just as he is one with God. That was his desire. 22, and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. He says it again. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I mean, that's huge. That's huge when you see this desire that Christ so strongly had unity. Um, and to stick with the point, I mean, this denomination thing, we'll have to do another musical on just, just really focusing on what is this all about? How do we break out of it? Uh, I mean, again, that, that's another thought. The idea of God showed me, as far as, as far as this goes, it causes such separation, especially when it suggests uh, that God has shown me something that is not uh, scripturally and spiritually evident to the entire body. Now, naturally, especially when you look at this, schisms are going to occur. And it, it's unfortunate, but they're going to occur anyway. Um, and it, it really shouldn't have to be this way. I don't think it has to be this way. If we all submitted to Christ and completely removed ourselves from ourselves, that would be the only hope. Of course, um, you know, are we going to see it before Christ returns to straighten things out? No way. Just look at all. I mean, every day there's a different belief coming out in the church. So for there to be perfect unity as Christ desired, as Paul spoke of, it's not going to happen until um, Christ comes and sets everything in order. But, I mean, so yeah, that happens. But, yeah, th this thought process of God showed me this thing that isn't evident from Scripture, that isn't evident to all of us spiritually, I mean, that's going to cause separation. And with that, with that, another thought process uh, comes to me. And now, this one, I would say, uh, most Christians will readily deny because of the implication. Uh, when a when a person is susceptible to uh, words from God, and let's put that in quotes, air quotes, um, they open themselves up to a satanic deception. Of course, Christians are going to deny that. We would all deny that we're being influenced by some satanic deception. But that is a danger. When, when I'm willing to hear a word from God um, that I can't validate through Scripture, that I can't validate um, spiritually, OK, and the spirit of God is in us. The same spirit that inspired the word of God is in us. So that's not a question. That's not the, the argument here. But as God doesn't change, neither will the spirit of God cause us to depart from the word of God. As the word of God, as we learn in John chapter one, was from the beginning, the word of God will not change. It remains uncorrupted. Um, so when a person is susceptible to that thought process that I have a word from God or God is telling me something, they open themselves up to satanic deception. And yes, every Christian would deny that, but it is true. Um, now, the question may be how? How because of that is somebody opened up to uh, potentially a satanic uh, deception? Well, just thinking about it, you have to consider that some people uh, will want those secret whispering so badly that they'll be willing to take anything that comes from anything that strikes them as spiritual. 
I mean, that's the truth of it. And their desire to receive something new um, for their own gratification, whatever they want it for, because they're supposed to, it's their turn, whatever it is. Um, they, they're look, whatever seems spiritual to them, they're willing to receive it. How easy then does it make it for Satan or whoever, whatever demon it may be, how easy does it make it for them to give you some nonsense? Especially if it's packaged in, you know, some form of spirituality, knowing that the devil, the devil can transform into an angel of light. So he knows how to mimic scripture. That's easy. He's not even afraid to use scripture. We see he used scripture. We see it at least twice in scripture. One with Eve. Uh, you would consider that scripture because God told Adam something to tell her. And so Satan used what God said. Boom, that's scripture. That's word of God. He used it and twisted it. He did the same to Jesus when he tried to tempt him. He used scripture, word of God, and he twisted it. So he's not afraid to use the Bible. Some people may think if you spit a scripture at Satan, he just crumbles to pieces. Well, if it was that way, how could he speak it? So that's just, I mean, that that's, that's fantasy. It doesn't work that way. He doesn't melt when he hears scripture. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to speak it. He wouldn't be able to speak words of God. Um, if they just made him melt to hear it. So we don't need any superstition. Um, but yeah, when, when people so desperately want to hear something specific from God, they're willing to listen to anything. Um, just consider those who see signs and everything. We know people like this. We may be people like this. But there are some who see signs and absolutely everything. Whatever happens, God is, is showing me something. Um, and, you know, a lot do it in the name of believing that there's no such thing as coincidence, no such thing as, you know, a happenstance of life. Um, we have those who walk among us, you know, walk amongst the church and look at everything as confirmation. OK, I, I was praying about this. I had this thought in my mind and whoa, that happened. Conf confirmation right there. And it's funny because they they say they don't believe in coincidence, yet they're the most superstitious of us. And again, not an indictment. I mean, it's just a warning. This is a danger. Um, but yeah, I mean, they would say they're not superstitious. And yet um, everything is confirmation. Everything is, whoa, I was thinking this and then that happened. So that just proved it. How dangerous is that? Because very easily that could have nothing to do with God. Very easily that could have nothing to do with the spirit of God. Very easily. So the danger and the enemy would know this. Uh, can offer confirmation for things that are wrong. I mean, it's really that simple. This can offer confirmation for things that are wrong just to lead that individual down the wrong path. And when people feel like they've heard from God, you'll notice how slow they are to back away from it. Okay, they're, they're very slow to back away from it. Um, and this is just a huge, this is why we have to trust scripture, but we'll talk more about that as we go on. Uh, because it leads to another point in their excitement, in their fervor uh, for, whoa, God just showed me something. Um, it's it's very possible that those convinced God has shown them something uh, specifically are leading others astray. OK, and now we see it's getting dangerous. Just consider James um, when in James chapter three, where it says, um, uh, do not become many masters or many teachers, knowing that we uh, receive a greater condemnation. It's a huge warning there. Those who teach are responsible for their teaching, okay? I mean, that's that's what the scripture is talking about. He says, brothers, don't everybody try to rush to be a teacher. We have the greater condemnation. This is a big deal, 
uh, to be a teacher is a big deal um, because you're responsible. You may be responsible for leading people right or wrong. And that's whether three people listen to your teaching or three million. It doesn't matter. You are responsible. As we I mean, as you should be. So when we go about telling people God has specifically shown us something. Um, and this isn't just speaking of, of false prophets, okay? This this is even to an understanding um, that isn't actually biblical, okay? But when we go around uh, telling people God has specifically shown us something, we're taking upon ourselves a huge responsibility. Um, and again, and because here's the thought process, it's not so much that I know this, uh, or, or let's put it this way. The thought process isn't, I know this because of scripture. I know this mainly because God has shown me this. That's what we're talking about. I know this not because of scripture. Maybe I can put the two together, but primarily even with this one verse, God has just shown me something. So I can't validate this through scripture um, or, or anything like that. It's just that God has shown me this. That's, I mean, that's how I know this thing that I'm telling you. That's the danger. I mean, that's the danger. And to to teach people with that mentality is even more dangerous because I'm responsible, because I'm responsible for them taking what I just said and running with it and creating doctrines or more false, false doctrines about it, creating lifestyles based off of it. How dangerous could that be? And with that, though, I mean, we, there, another point as far as the dangers go, look at the pride in this assumption. Uh, God showed me this, and I know you don't get it because he hasn't shown you yet. I've been told that. This is the crazy thing. Um, over over the years um, of being in the church, I don't know how many times I've been told that. And it's really sad looking back on it now in this context. And I, I hope I've never been that one. Um, I, I honestly don't remember a time where I've been that one, but I've been told that many times that, you don't see it yet because God hasn't shown you yet. How prideful is that, right? I mean, if you're right, you're right. But how prideful is that? What a thought process. The reason you don't get this is because God just hasn't shown you what it, and not only but what division that must create. Right? Generally speaking, how divisive is that thought process? This is right and I can't show it to you, but I'll wait for you to get around to understanding this. Well, here's the thing. If even if you feel it's right, but you can't show me through scripture, work to do that. But never, I mean, even if you know scripturally that you're right, but you just can't explain it scripturally, that would be the humble way to go about it. I believe scripture teaches this. I'm going to do my best to show you why. But to actually say, this is true, I'm just waiting for you to come around. Man, what a division that must cause. And yeah, I mean, what, what a prideful thought process that can be. Uh, and, and again, it, it's kind of funny because I do know people who speak this way, like I said, and and they speak as though they're humbled uh, by how God chose to show them something. Really? I mean, talk about passive pride. I'm, I'm so humbled that God chose to show me this thing. Why me of all people? Oh, God, you're so great. And I'm so humble. This is just amazing that he showed me this. Right. I'm humble. I'm, I'm humble that God is showing me stuff that he hasn't showed to anyone else. And again, see, and another danger, this, this points out another danger for me. How can somebody like this learn? Just think about it. I, I've heard people say they're willing to receive. If they're wrong, they're willing to receive the truth if they're shown it biblically. However, it's not an honest phrase because they're claiming they heard it from God. 
So even when you show them something scripturally, all they're going to try to do is prove it away. I've been in this situation. They just try to prove it away. I, I mean, they'll say because they know Christians are supposed to say it. I'm willing to be corrected through scripture. So you bring them a scripture that contradicts what they believe and they immediately attempt to explain it away because God showed them this other thing. Look at how dangerous that is. I mean, this is a beware. This is a pay attention musing, because if you're that type of individual, step back for a second. I've got to do the same. Even as I do these, I, I, I got to listen to them myself. Maybe it's, it's more for me to listen to as well. But I mean, that's the thing. How, if they really believe God told them this, they won't listen to teaching. They won't listen to correction. They'll just try to make excuses for why their thought process is accurate, even in the face of scriptural or spiritual reason. And people like this become almost impossible to teach uh, because they feel God himself. I mean, think about it. If you really feel God himself spoke to you, how am I going to come by, little old me, how am I going to come by and offer you some correction? So, I mean, that's why, what a dangerous thought process. I feel God showed me this. So even when you come through and say, oh, that scripture's not even talking about that, I've got to make, I've heard Christians do this so much that it's disgusting. That's not the context for that scripture. Oh, well, yeah, but you can still use it for this. No, that's not how scripture works. But people will do it just to attempt to prove their thought process. I will make this scripture mean what it doesn't mean because it fits what I'm trying to convince you of. That's not how scripture works. So it becomes almost impossible to teach individuals like that. Another point, that, uh, one last point about the dangers of it. And then let's look at a different aspect of this thought process. God showed me this. Um, so often I would say I've noticed the mountain, the ton of self-will um, that's involved in this thought process. Uh, and, you know, it, it's funny how God shows people these things um, at the perfectly right time that will benefit them. Now, this is the most, I mean, this is just the, the uh most ungodly form of it maybe it might all be but i mean when when these people are shown things that simply come at the right time to benefit them personally right um i i was i wanted to believe this i wanted to believe things were this way and just at that moment god showed me something that 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 set that up how that individual doesn't see their self-will is beyond me i mean you would think it would be evident to them you know that okay just or maybe not. If you really feel it's from God, if you've really uh, been deluded or whatever and really believe it's from God, I guess you wouldn't see it that way. But looking at it from the outside, it, it, I mean, it's just amazing that someone it, right at the perfect time, this thing that scripture doesn't back up. And yet, wow, right at the right moment, God showed me that this is the right way to go. Awesome. And mind you that it usually benefits their flesh. It's not like God showed me I need to stop doing this thing. Um, because it's taking too much of my time. No, no, no. It's usually something that does benefit the flesh, not the spirit. The flesh is benefited or they're proven correct in an assumption based on this thing that God showed me. I couldn't prove it spiritually, but okay, God just showed me. He showed me how to work this one out. And God showed me how to twist this scripture to, to try to convince you of it. And if you don't get it, man, I guess you just don't want to hear from God. And see, this goes right back to the schism thing, because anyone saying this could not let that go if, if they're spiritual. I, I mean, they couldn't let you get away with that if they're spiritual. And that would be for your sake. But you think about it. I wonder how many people have been uh, forced to, you know, leave churches because God allegedly spoke to a pastor, something that was completely 
un or extra biblical. I mean, how sad is that? Because usually in the church, you look at that individual like they're wrong. But just think of how sad that is. How many people have had to leave a church because the pastor was shown something that isn't biblical? I mean, that's one of those pause to muse, pause to reflect moments because it's sad. Because indeed, that person who left might indeed have been the spiritual one. I mean, the numbers are probably heartbreaking and probably heartbreaking to God. Yeah, the pastor suddenly had a vision. He suddenly received something that we're all supposed to fall in line to. And no longer is this guy accountable to the to, to scripture. Wouldn't that be sad? But all this to say that there, there are so many dangers in the thought process that, you know, my vindication of something I can't show biblically or, you know, spiritual wisdom that lines up with scripture comes from me telling you God told me so. And so that's how I know. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, that, that's the tactic of a bully, right? A spiritual bully, not, not somebody who is, you know, spiritually humble before God. I can't prove this to you scripturally. I just know because God told me this. So now you should probably follow it because God just spoke to me. However, though, that's not that's not the end there. There are other aspects of this thought process that that we've got to consider. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there definitely can be some dangers, but there, there are questions also that we you know need to consider while we muse about this. Uh, the first one. So kind of going away from the dangers and just looking at the the practical side of this, should we ever follow or take someone seriously who chooses to speak this way? I mean, that's a huge question. Should we ever follow or take someone seriously who chooses to speak this way, this way that I I only know this because God told me so, or I've got this new thing that I want to share with you that I know because God told me so. Should we ever follow this? Right? Because I mean, they may say, I have no scripture to line up with it. Uh, it makes no sense. And we all have the Holy Spirit. Okay. Nobody has a bigger version or a lesser version. We all have the Spirit of God. Um, so I have no scripture to line up with it, at least not in proper context. Um, it makes no sense, maybe, uh, in who we know God to be. But hey, God told me so. Should we ever accept that argument on that ground alone? Absolutely no. Especially never on that ground alone. And here's a big thing, even if, if it is a person that you trust. Now, I've, I've heard this so much. Because I trust this individual, I'm going to take it, right? I trust this person. So since I trust this person, I'm going to buy what they're selling, even though, right, they've shown me before to be trustworthy or, or whatever it might be. I trust this person. So, yes, I will trust them when they say God showed me this in spite of the fact that it does not line up with scripture. Remember, the truth of God doesn't belong to any one individual, right? It doesn't belong to any one individual. Um, however sincere they may come off to you. There's a scripture to, to, to read. It's a very, very key scripture. It's in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1. Okay, and I, I want to read a few verses. I was starting at 16. And this is just, um, yeah, th- th- this is just, very important. So so Second Peter chapter uh, 1 and verse 16, I'll start reading there. Uh, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables. How awesome is that? I, I love it. So Peter, and you want Peter to say this. You honestly do because he was there. So he said, we, we didn't follow some well-made up story. Okay, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we saw it. Okay, true apostles, eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw this. This was not some story that we heard of and we told you and then they told you. No, he's saying we saw this. Listen to me. I was there. 
Okay, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. He's saying we saw this. But keep going. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first. Now, this is where it gets real huge because this is the thing when somebody, look, God just showed me something or he unlocked this scripture. So now I know what this scripture actually means. Well, look at what Peter has to say about that. Peter, who was an eyewitness, look at what he has to say, knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. That's the first point. No scripture, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, you can't choose to make this mean what you want it to mean. It means what it means. Pause to think on that one. Scripture means what it means, right? I mean, why? Verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It never came by the will of man, and therefore it's not coming to please men. And again, we're not even talking about false prophets. We'll have to. That'll be another music. But right now, we're not talking about the idea of prophecy today or false prophets today. We're just speaking generally about this thought process where in a manner of speaking, people claim to be a type of prophet when they say, God, show me this. Even if they mean this scripture has been misinterpreted. And again, that's very, I mean, possible. So many scriptures are misinterpreted. That, that's not what, what this is about um, because of what we've, how we've corrupted it, you know, in the church. So it's not that somebody can't understand the scripture, but to make it seem like God has shown me this thing that to nobody else means this, right? Even though scripture, no prophecy of scripture ever was any of any private interpretation because it wasn't built by men, Rather, by God, no scriptures, any private interpretation, except this thing God just whispered to me. See, the reality of God audibly speaking to the apostles of Christ was very important because they were the forebears of those who would receive the faith and teach others. Um, and th th there's another scripture that, that to me is almost equally important um, as far as this thought process goes. But but hold on to that. God audibly spoke to the apostles to evidence this for them it was evident it was well known it was true they saw it they heard it themselves but with that there's something that christ says that maybe it's not popular because of the implications but in john chapter 14 uh, verse 30 christ says i will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me he's saying i'm not going to talk when i leave here i won't be speaking with you much we're going off of faith we're going off of trust we're going off of hope but he says, I'm not going to be talking to you like I was um, because the ruler of this world is coming. He has a role to play. And he has nothing to do with me. I mean, that's what he said. I'm not going to keep I'm, I will not always you will not always have the privilege to hear me this way. Right. So after his departure and return to God, he speaks of not being uh, in, you know, much verbal communication. But even in this, he sent his Holy Spirit along with instructions, which we find in Scripture. Now, that's a huge point to remember. OK, that's a huge point to remember. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the scripture. 
Christ said, I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of audible talking, but I'm sending the spirit to you. He will teach you in all things. We have scripture. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't need mystics. But again, uh, trying to just keep with this thought process as far as someone who might say, look, I'm reading the Bible and God, uh, this thing that always meant that I now understand it to mean this. Or maybe it's not in scripture at all. And, oh, I just something was just revealed to me that you're not going to find anywhere in scripture. Look at it this way. We have the Bible and the book is complete. Okay, the Bible is absolutely done. We need add nothing to it. We know the truth of the Bible. We know the gospel truth. And we have instruction that will guide us into eternity. What to do till then? We know exactly what we should be doing in this life. We all know the doctrine, and we and the Bible tells us everything we need to know that matters. I mean, that's huge. We have the gospel, and we have instructions on what to do. What exactly is God showing this person that's so new? We don't need anything new. We have it all. We know exactly what to do. If there is something new, then those who came before us who died without hearing your message— they didn't even have the ability to actually live for God because they were missing that pivotal piece that you just uncovered. No, we have the gospel and we have instructions. We even have prophecy that will make us aware of what comes next so we're not caught off guard when the things that we see unfolding through Revelation, when they start unfolding in our real lives, we, we even have that. So the thought process that in the midst of this perfect book um, that the Spirit can use to teach us, no, I've got something else that God just showed me. See, when people make a claim like that, pay close attention to what they say. Because if they aren't altering doctrine, they're talking about stuff that doesn't even matter. Just think about that. If they're not absolutely altering doctrine, they're just talking about nonsense, right? I mean, just think of some of the things that people say God showed them through. their. God showed me that, you know, church should only be held on Friday, what what are you talking about? What kind of nonsense is this? How could that matter, right? Uh, God showed me, you know, I'm just thinking of examples that communion should be called, you know, the great feast. So my church, we call it the great feast. What? How could that possibly matter, right? God showed me that we need to have an outreach to the community. Well, isn't that common sense? I mean, just being a light in the world, isn't that what that means? So, I mean, so but he just showed you this, right? Or, 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 you know, the, 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 the famous thing that the false prophets love, God showed me this political thing, right? This is God's going to be president. That was not God. God showed me that you all should vote for this guy, right? How many false prophets did we see with that? God showed me this guy is going to be the, the, the next president. God just showed me that. But again, like I said, fa- I, we, we, we've got to do false prophecy. I keep mentioning it, but I'm only, you know, uh, tempting, teasing it. So we'll definitely have to do amusing on false prophets because this this isn't even for this. This is just the ordinary God showed me this individual. This isn't even the depth of how um, depraved and sad and frustrating false prophets are to anyone who really just wants to follow God. But, yeah, I mean, that's something we see, too, though. Right. All these things that don't even matter. God showed me that we should, God showed me this, God showed me to do this and to say it that way. And God showed me that when we do church, we should no longer dress up or we should dress up or we should wear the same color. We, what are you talking about? 
when we look at scripture and we're told how to live, we're told the gospel, and then we're told once you have received this, this is now what your life ought to look like. And you're talking, God showed you what? So the the point is, is, is clear. I mean, these things are either evident, right? Like the community, okay, look, this is, we should all be doing this, or they're pointless or they're divisive. That's what you see. They serve only to stop you from doing what the Bereans did with Paul. And if you don't know the Bereans, uh, it says they search the scriptures daily to see if the things Paul was saying was true. And they're almost like role models, how they didn't, oh, hey, it's Paul, believe whatever he says. No, the Bible says they search the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. Beautiful. And yet when somebody says, God showed me this, they're trying to stop you from doing the very thing that the Bereans were told good job for doing. The Bereans are in scripture as an example. And yet these people are saying, don't question me. Or, or if you do question me, um, you know, do it on my terms, right? Yeah, this is what I believe from scripture, but I want to be there as you read the scripture that speaks against this so I could try to break it down piece by piece to convince you that it doesn't mean what it clearly says. Instead, it means what I'm trying to convince you that it means. So instead of view, using it the way the Bereans did, no, I just want you to listen to me. Leave that scripture stuff alone. See, if you take... Uh, someone at their word, aside from scripture, how do you verify it? A, f- a feeling of the heart? Because we know what Jeremiah tells us about the heart, right? It's desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. That's your heart. So, I mean, I can't use that, right? So how, I mean, how do I verify what you're saying if not through scripture? I'm supposed to just trust that you heard from God. And, and not only that, we should never practice trusting emotional has anyway, especially as validation. Uh, you know, what, what what many people see as uh, uh, spiritual enlightenment is often emotional highs, right? Um, that That's usually what we see. P- people feel that God showed them something because they were in an emotional frenzy. That's just emotion. That's just your, your, your deceitful heart. Why in the world would you trust that, right? In the midst of this emotional high, high, this rings true to me what that, that guy said. This rings true with me, and therefore it must be true. Brothers and sisters, I mean, we have to be aware because this could very, that, that could very easily be the heart of flesh. And we cannot trust the heart of flesh, especially when we have God's word telling us everything we already need to know. We don't need a generational enlightenment. Right. This enlight this new enlightenment that comes with the new generation all the time. The word doesn't change. Christ doesn't change and God doesn't change because he's perfect. Why would he need to change? We're imperfect. We need to change to fit the standard of God who is perfect. So always be careful of accepting revelations during emotional highs. Right. Uh, You know, we have no evidence of that in the church as far as through scripture goes what we learned through the, the the new covenant writings we don't have um evidence of that happening so we can't trust that emotion does not equal enlightenment emotion is very easy to counterfeit it doesn't equal honest enlightenment so if you can't validate through scripture something someone claims from god or claims came from god how can you trust it Especially considering men are fallible. Not only are we we fallible, we've been corrupted through our society, our culture. Even when we're saved, um, that still exists. The fact that my culture corrupted me, your culture corrupted you, society corrupted us. And that's in my flesh and my flesh remains. And therefore, 
when I say I've got this thing from God, I'm fallible. That's why I need and you should want the evidence of Scripture to back it up. Whatever claim I make, you should be willing and response and feel responsible to ask me, oh, scripturally speaking, how do you back this up? And then you should make sure that you're reading it and know the context and using it in context so I can't just spit something out and you believe it. Not only that, not only are we fallible, fallible and have been corrupted by cultural society, there are also snakes in the church, which the Bible says there would be. So there are snakes, false prophets, false, teach, false teachers that are in the church. So many people have been corrupted through that as well. We've got to be wise. That's what Jesus even said. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. That's how we need to be. And with that said, uh, so let's go to another question. Are there new revelations still happening today anyway? I mean, that's a, you know, is that something we're looking for anyway? I think a great scripture for that is 2 Timothy chapter 3, a very uh, popular one. Um, uh, 16, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, or instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love that scripture. Scripture has been provided for us to give us an understanding of everything we need to know for life and for salvation. If we have scripture inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, or instruction in righteousness so that we can be perfect, complete, ready for every good work, what could a new thing possibly add to us? I'm already saved. Scripture tells me how to be saved. That is easily the most important thing. Okay, so I'm saved. I know how to be saved. Now I see that scripture also gives me doctrine. It reproves and corrects me. And tells me how to live, right, instruction for righteousness, so that I, I can be complete, ready to do every good work. What can a new revelation add to me? Throw in the revelation of Jesus that he gave to John um, that we see in the book of Revelation, of course. And I also have a warning about what tomorrow brings. What can be added to me? Now, I have to say this. It can be very possible that through Scripture, God can uh, bring to someone's understanding, a principle that has been uh, forgotten through years of corruption within the church, especially in a given denomination or group or whatever. Um, but that's not a revelation. It's a reminder. Okay, it's not a revelation. It's a reminder of something that was lost, that was there. It was just not being used. We read that chapter, but we never stopped to talk about that part that says this huge thing that, oh, yeah, we don't practice. So it honestly is a reminder to anyone who is sincerely seeking to follow Christ. But the information is already there. I mean, just think about it. If the book is complete, what exactly could the revelation be? Just think about that. And see, false prophet pops back into my mind again. We've got, I've got to got to do that audio because, I mean, that's just just think about it. Just think about that thought process. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We have everything we need to know that the man of God may be complete, ready for every good work. That's what it's saying. What could you possibly add to me with this new revelation? I know how to do it. I know that I need to be doing it. And scripture equips me to be able to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. What exactly are you telling me and what is it going to help me to do? So for, for that thought process, I mean, my bottom line would be this. There's no cause for a new revelation. That's just losing your focus, okay? Uh, unless you're perfectly doing what we're already told to do, 
how could you need something new? I mean, unless you're, you're, you you perfectly understand salvation, you perfectly understand what we're supposed, what we've already been told, how to live and how to go about living it. Unless you perfectly understand that, uh, how can you move on to this new revelation type of thing? It's a loss of focus. It, it's trying to find something that will excite you. Maybe there's an issue there. Maybe, maybe there's a problem with that more than there is, oh, I don't know what to do. Do the work that Christ left us to do. You do that, I promise you won't have time for seeking new revelations. Do what we already know to do. Another thought process kind of just came to my mind is uh, the, the how the Bible speaks about there being safety and counselors. I, I thought of this, um, this thought process came to me and Proverbs 11 and verse 14. He speaks about it a lot. And yeah, I mean, Solomon speaking of this, he's speaking about ruling kingdoms and stuff like that. But uh, still, uh, just... Listening to this this verse real quick, it says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And, yeah, we know what he's talking about. But, again, this thought just kind of popped up to me. But, yeah, I mean, there is safety in having counselors. There, there, is, there is safety in having um, a multitude of people, uh, you know, with the, who have the Spirit of God who can say, okay, this is what that means. Now, boom, let's go do it. You think of the same thing when you look at first Corinthians 14 and I know later on it speaks of, you know, if somebody prophesies, it says, let it be more than one and let the other judge. How many times have you seen that for people who claim to be prophets? Maybe we'll save that scripture for the other musing to really dig into it. But uh, yeah, it says, no, this guy shouldn't be standing up there himself claiming that he's something has been revealed. Now, of course, you can have a gang of prophets that get together and just lie like they're crazy, like they don't care. But um, generally speaking, it shouldn't be this thing where we're trusting what this one person said God showed them. There's no need for it, especially since we have scripture, especially since we know that scripture was given us so that we could be complete. What are you adding to me? So saying is how we all have the spirit of God. There's no reason why one person's claims should be elevated. It's dangerous and it, it's gotta be responsible for causing so much, um, folly within the church folly hurt separation uh what have you foolishness being taught you know misunderstanding uh confute it it is caused so much of this stuff within the body of christ and, and again is god showing us things on individual levels he is he absolutely is but not in a way that alters doctrine or creates some new scheme uh, in addition or contradiction to scripture. God shows us things. He He can show us things to remind us of where our focus ought to be. Absolutely. I absolutely can read a scripture today and it remind me of what my focus should be in, in this life. I absolutely can read Matthew 633 and feel like, whoa, God just told me something. Focus on God's can seek ye first the kingdom of God. Absolutely. That could alter my thought process. I could leave church. And read that and and feel like, wow, that's something I'm not doing. God just showed me something through scripture. Now, I'm not going to say, hey, guys, God just spoke to me. God just gave me this new thing. No, I'll say, guys, look at this scripture. I just read like this. I don't know when the last time I read it like this. I was convicted. How do I do it? Or let's do it together. Or this is this is how I believe we need to go about it. Let's talk about this. Absolutely, that can happen. See, so God gives us true understanding of scriptures 
um, that have been lost or that were never taught to us or that I never saw that way? He absolutely does. But is he showing me this new thing? What new thing? No, he's not giving anybody any new thing or anything that's against his words. And how do I know this? Well, 1 Corinthians 14 also says that God is not the author of confusion. And doing things like that would clearly cause confusion. Giving us things that nobody's been taught or that always meant something different. And again, not through mistake, not through error, not through false doctrine, not through the corruption that's been spread through the church that the devil would try to add, but just through the fact that he wanted to tell me something new. He hid it until this very moment. Now, it could be very possible that, yeah, the church you go to, the group you're a part of, um, we're, we're using a scripture the wrong way, and you study, the Spirit revealed to you, and yes, okay, hey, guys, this is what it means. But be ready to prove it through doctrine, through other scripture, and through spiritual understanding of who God is that we learn through scripture. God is not the author of confusion. He's not telling people things that are confusing. He's not doing it. So let's wrap this up. Uh, brothers, sisters, we learn through scripture. Okay. We learn from the spirit of God. Uh, and those things teach us the things that we need to know to live for God in this life. Not things that simply create new thought processes or excite us emotionally, um, or change doctrine. No, those things tell us how to live in this life. They're not things that are just irrelevant to the work to salvation. They are not that we don't need irrelevant stuff. We need to focus on on what we should be doing as ambassadors of Christ. That's the thing. And always be aware. Don't be that individual. I, I, I practice, and I'll do it even more since this. I've convicted myself even. But I never uh, say or I practice never saying God showed me something. What I try to do is prove all things through Scripture. I seek to reason things out by the spirit of God. I mean, hence this website, as the fire born. That's that's why I love the premise, uh, even of this site, um, as the fire burned. As I was musing, as I was musing, as I was thinking, David says, the fire burned. The more I thought about it, I sat there and I thought and I thought and I thought, what does this mean? Not to be excited, not to find something new, but God, what does this mean? What am I to be doing? Right. Since I just mentioned in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hmm. What does that mean? It's sad that so many people just skip to the last part and all these things will be added. All right. Great. So I'll be rich. Right. Because he'll add everything if I seek him first. No. Read the whole thing. You'll see context. He only mentioned two things, food and clothes, what you need. That, again, is another musing. But OK, yeah. So I'm reading this and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now I'm musing. What does that mean? How do I know I'm doing it? Am I doing it? And how do I know that I'm seeking him first, that I'm not building upon a kingdom of my own desire? So that's the thing. I try to prove all things through scripture. I try to listen to the spirit of God always and never say, hey, 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 God showed me something. No. Not, and never would I do that with something that I can't honestly show you through his word without twisting scripture, without reading scripture just to prove my point. Oh, I've heard that so much in church, out of church, on podcasts, Christian podcast. I've heard it so much people twisting scripture to try to prove their point. And even when shown that, oh, the context is nothing like what you're saying. Oh, yeah, I know that, but it still works this way. No, so you don't accept that that's out of context. That's the truth of it. So anything I set out to prove, anything we set out to prove, we should do through principles and tenets, tenets and reasonings of scripture alone as guided by the spirit. 
but never should it be God showed me this, especially as my primary explanation. Never. Even if I feel like God did open up an understanding, so I get this now, never should that be my primary explanation. I know this because of the truth of God. It lines up with scripture. That's how I know what I know. That's what it should be. I mean, that's an escape for the unreason, for the liar, the bully, the false prophet, the false teacher, those who are deceived. That's an escape. It's never something that we should. We should see the truth and follow it through God's word, not seek that new thing, not seek um, a false or what could be considered a false enlightenment. That's not what we should be seeking ever. So that's that's the musing on this. That's that, Those are my thoughts with what do we do with this thought process? God just showed me something. I know this because God showed me this in spite of your reason or whatever you may say. Hey, God showed me this. That's the thought process. That's the musing. Let's maintain a focus on the things that we already know. Second Timothy three. We have scripture to teach us instruction, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and righteousness so that we can be complete. Scripture does this. And with the spirit of God living in us, he makes it possible. That's how I know everything I know. That's how I know my focus and what I should be doing. And that's where we should keep it.